When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Gail King, and to me, family is everything. Nothing more important. Nothing. Hello, and welcome to We Are Family. I'm your host, Julia Dennison, and I'm here with the author, journalist, and host of CBS Mornings, which I've been lucky enough to be on, the one and only Gail King. Gail, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Julia. I'm so glad to be here. You're talking about one of my favorite topics in the world, so I'm so glad that I get to sit down with you. We were just talking about the fact that you were saying every age is your favorite age. Yes. (laughs) Which I love to hear because I feel like, especially these days, parents are so burnt out, but we get kind of caught up in the, sometimes in the negativity of parenthood. And I feel like the more we can talk about the joy, the better. And honestly, having a five year and a half year old, I, I love it. I mean, it's, she has opinions and those opinions can be challenging, but it's really fun. We like them to have opinions. You do not want a little Mouseburger girl. Correct. You want somebody that speaks up and speaks out. Before I had a baby, people would say, oh God, get ready for the terrible twos or wait till they're teenagers. And I realized you don't have to have any of those phases. You really don't. You know, listen, there can be rocky times, I'm sure, but it doesn't have to be. It's not a foregone conclusion. That's great. And of course, speaking of girls, you grew up with three sisters, right? What was your yes. what was your upbringing? I'm the oldest. Were you close growing up? Yes, we were close. Listen, you know, I was I'm the oldest and uh, my sisters tell me that I was bossy. I don't think it was bossy. I think it was just managerial skills. Yep. That's what I think. So I grew up in a house with four girls and I spent my whole life saying, "God, I wish I had a brother." And I wish I had an older brother because all of my friends who had older brothers, they seemed to take care of them. They had friends that they could introduce them to. And having an older brother was very cool. So the whole time I was growing up, I said, when I have children, I sure hope I have a boy first because I knew I wanted more than one. I wanted my children to have an older brother. So I spent my whole life wanting that at a very early age. So you always wanted to be a mom. Oh, my God. I wanted to be a mom since I was in seventh grade. And I I had very specific ideas, Julia. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have the boy first, as I said, because I thought you should have an older brother. Then I was going to have twins, two years later, girl twins. Their placeholder names were Rusty and Dusty. (laughs) Rusty and Dusty would have very long hair that I would brush every night, a hundred strokes. They would have the cutest clothes and they they would get along so well and they'd have this older brother. I had it all worked out. That was my plan. Oh, my goodness. I can remember in seventh grade writing down very specifically uh, about being a mother. I wanted to be a mom for a very long time. So how was your idea of being a mom different from actually being a mom? Was was there anything that surprised you about motherhood when you did become a mom? I'm not going to say it surprised me, but I just know it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Your whole world revolves around this little creature that comes into your lives. And I I used to marvel at how do people go all day and they don't bathe? I so got it after I had a baby. Number one, you're sleep deprived. That's something that's very, very difficult. 
And I used to think whenever Kirby would fall asleep, I go, well, let me jump down and try to get a nap too. And so that's how it happens. You think, oh, well, while the baby's sleeping, I'll work out or I'll clean the house or blah. None of that happened. When she slept, I would sleep. And, you know, now I hear parents have this thing called sleep training yeah. where they're sleep training the baby because Kirby, my favorite daughter, has now had a baby. Mm -hmm. And she has very specific ideas about sleep training. And I said, listen, when you were little, when you fell asleep, that was when you fell asleep. This stuff that the schedule that they have the babies on is, is fascinating to me. Right. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of thought process. Have you have you heard of sleep yes, training, absolutely. Julia? I had never heard of it. I feel like it's one of those things that make you feel like you're failing as a parent over and over again because it's so dang hard. Sleep training never seems to work for me. And I always end up kind of like just letting my daughter in, in bed with me. But you know what? I've come to terms with that. I have a big bed. Yes. I live, I'm a single mom. You know, if she wants to get in bed with me and we can cuddle, well, how bad could that be? That sounds wonderful. And I enjoy it. So No, that's okay. Now, <laughs> if she were 14 or 15, that might be a, that might be some issues with you, Julie. <laughs> I'd be thinking, Julie, are you okay? But, you know, but at four or five, and listen, I think we have to give ourselves some grace mm -hmm. because we juggle a lot of balls. We're going to drop some balls. And I say you pick them up and you just keep on going. Yeah. You know, when, when my kids were coming up, I did not have one of these households where I want to be your friend. I had a very clear, I am the boss here. Uh, this is not a democracy. I do want to hear your opinion. Your opinion matters to me. But at the end of the day, I get to be the one that makes the call. And sometimes I would make what I call mommy decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I'd say, what do you think? And if it wasn't what I thought was really uh, healthy or the right decision for them, I would say, well, I think that's good, but I'm I'm going to have to call it here. I'm going to make a mommy decision. Yeah. I didn't want to be one of those parents where she and I, are, or, and I have a son too, mm -hmm. we're best friends. No, no, no. Right. I did not that, want that kind of dynamic when they were little. Now it's different. Now it's different. No, it's an important distinction. I think you can't always be your kid's friend, but that's helping them. Ultimately, you know, you have to do what's best for them. And sometimes being their friend is not what's best for them. And believe it or not, I believe kids like boundaries. Yes, absolutely. They like boundaries. They like rules. And they, listen, the kids don't want to disappoint you any more than you want to disappoint them. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they have great appreciation. They may, they may balk at it and say they don't like it, but deep down they know that the reason why you have the rules that you rule, the rules that you have or the boundaries that you have is, a, is because you love and care about them and that you really want to make sure that they're okay. Right. So did I read it right? So you moved around a lot as a kid. You lived in Turkey at one point. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, of course. I lived in Turkey from first grade to sixth grade. Wow. Then we were in Washington. We were in California. Uh, yeah, I did. I never think of it as moving around a lot. That's so interesting. I, I just think this is just the life we were living. Right. You know, so from first grade to sixth grade, I was in Turkey from seventh grade to high school. I was in California. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to the East Coast. I was at University of Maryland. So I, I don't think it's moved around a lot. It's just that I didn't live in the States. Right. I think that may be fascinating, but I didn't move. I didn't really move around a lot. Mm -hmm. Did you travel a lot with your kids as they were growing up? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think travel and exposure, if you can do it, is very important for children. Yes, I agree. And and I and I think the younger you can do it, the better off it is. They should be exposed to worlds that are not like their own. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, they've they've been travelers 
they had their passports at a very young age. That's wonderful. They didn't know where they were, but but they had their passports at a young age. That's important, though. And of course, so you already had a hugely successful career in TV when you became a mom. Did you take your kids to work a lot? And was did you feel like it was important for them to see you at work and working? Well, you know, when I got pregnant the first time with Kirby, I was 31. Mm-hmm. I was a local anchor in, in Hartford, Connecticut. And... <laughs> They don't like you to take a whole lot of time off. Right. But it was my first baby, so I did. I took, you know, I, I took three months off, which was unheard mm-hmm. of. Kirby was born in May. That's also a very high ratings period. She she came early. So it's right in the middle of the May book. But the station was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> when I know inside they're going, ah! How inconvenient of her to come at, at a high ratings moment. <laughs> oh, funny. What are you thinking? <laughs> But, you know, it, it all worked out. So, yeah, I, I took a big chunk of time off. And then Will came. You know, they're 11 months apart. It's one of those things wow. where you say to the doctor, I was breastfeeding. You know, there's that old stereotype or that old fable yes. that if you're breastfeeding, it's hard to get pregnant. Not true. And I was also on birth control and still got oh pregnant. Oh, my gosh. So it says to me that Will was meant to be. And I can remember just being mortified, like, oh, my God, I've just taken all this time off. How in the world do I go and tell these people Guess what? I'm pregnant again. Oh how do I how do I go and tell them that? And what are they going to think of me? And Oprah said, they're going to think that you have sex with their hu- your husband. That's what they're going to think. And you know what? That's okay. But I was mortified. I was so, how do I tell them this after being off all this time? And after Will was born, uh, he was born in April, also right before the May book. I came back very quickly, and then I took more time off because I felt, geez, I can't do this again to them. I can't do it. Oh my goodness. And so do you have any tips for working parents? Because I feel like now more than ever, parents are feeling that burnout. And sometimes you feel like you are not good enough as a mom and you're not good enough as your at your job. And it's like you can't kind of win it either. I know. And you, you feel pulled apart in every direction. And then you don't feel that you're doing anything correctly. Right. You know, you feel, okay, I'm not doing the mom job the best I can. I'm not doing the work job the best I can. And I think this is the thing, Julie, it's not a one size fits all everybody's got to figure out the plan that works for them. And I decided very early on, I am not going to beat myself up because I'm not at every single play or every single event, or I don't make my cupcakes and cookies from scratch, which is what a lot of mothers did. I was fine going to the, the grocery store and buying it and bringing it in for the class. I just wasn't going to feel bad about that. Kirby started walking before she was two And I was anchoring the noon and the five o'clock newscast. And I remember my ex calling me because he was in law school. So he got to see it and said, oh, Kirby just walked. I videotaped it. And I said, oh, that's great. And I hung up the phone and someone came and pet me like a puppy, like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to miss that. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, you know, I'm going to see it in what? Oh, five hours. She's still not going to be running a marathon. Right. So when I see it, it'll still be my first time. You know, and and I just thought, I'm not going to beat myself up because I didn't, listen, and first steps is really being generous because, you know, it's a step, step, fall. (laughs) Right. Um, It's a toddle. Yeah, it is. It's a wobble. And and so I I thought, gosh, I don't know if she was trying to comfort me or if she was trying to throw shade, (laughs) but I just decided I, I wasn't going to take all that in. Right. Now, you know, I wanted to be there for the important things. You know, in Little League, they have 50 million freaking games. Right. And there were times I don't want to go to all the games, but I wanted to be there for all the important stuff. Yeah. I also thought when they were little, I wanted 
to be the first thing they saw when they woke up. And I wanted to be the last thing they saw when they went to bed. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that was that was very important to me. I love that. This is making me feel better because my my daughter is having a kindergarten poetry slam as we speak, but she's not even reading a poem or anything. So I was like, <laughs> I'll watch the recording. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and she's not reading a poem? No, exactly. <laughs> like, yes. I'm like, I'm good. Julia. <laughs> Julia, we're having so much fun. Yep. So, so you would you would go and you would just sit there and watch her watch other kids. I think so, what is the point of that? And while we're at it, let's talk about these school events. Uh, yes, you know they have uh, the Christmas program, and I remember being there one year where the kids sang six songs. Is that necessary? <laughs> I think if you sing a couple of songs, you call it a day and you move on. <laughs> yep, yep, I agree. This is the other thing. I didn't want them to think at any time that me working was a burden to them or to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to think, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I have to go to work. I can't do. I didn't want them to think that's what work was. Right. I wanted them to know I really love work. I'm happy doing work. And I think if you're happier yourself, you're also a better parent. Yeah, I agree. And so I never wanted them to think, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Da, 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 da. And there were times if I, have, if I had to miss it because there was something important at work, I could explain it in a way. But I was never, oh, my God, this is so awful. Right. Nor did I want them to think it's it's either a choice of work and you and I'm choosing work. That's not what is happening here. Yeah. But anybody who works that there are certain things at work that you cannot miss. Mm -hmm. That's the way it goes. That's just the reality of it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Were there any non-negotiables when it came to traditions with your kids when they were growing up or things that you love to do? I know you talked about travel. Was there anything that you love to do as a family, like holidays or anything like that? Oh, holidays are very important. Yep. You know, I got divorced when they were uh, four and five. And so that's always an interesting dynamic because, you know, the, the first weekend without them was very difficult. When they go to their dads for the weekend, that was very difficult. I just got in the bed and I was in the fetal position all weekend. And I, did, and I didn't want them to know that because I didn't want them to know this is very hard. You're leaving. I didn't want that. So we would pack their daddy bags, I call them, and put fun things in because you're going to your dad's this weekend. But that was very difficult. But then you get into a routine. You get into a groove and everybody adjusts. But when it came to holidays, you know, the thought of not being able to spend any part of the holiday with them was very difficult. Yeah. So... So I negotiated, uh, okay, you can have Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I'll take Christmas. And then he would come and pick them up uh, New Year's. Okay. Or sometimes we would do half the day and half the day, depending mm -hmm. on where we were living at the time. But that first holiday without them where you, where you don't have them is tough. It's really hard. It's very difficult. Yeah. You can also get into a routine 
and not make it be the most horrible thing in the world. Yes, I feel you. Because the truth of the matter is the kids love their dad. The dads love their kids. Now, he might have been a crappy husband. I'm only speaking for myself. But but he loves his children and his children love him. And I never wanted them to feel they had to choose or that they were slighting me because they had a good time at his house. I never wanted them to feel that. I could not agree more. That is entirely my philosophy also. And I feel like that skill of being a husband and that skill of being a dad is very, very different. Yeah. You know what we would do? We would spend their birthdays together. Yes. So we made a deal that we would spend their birthdays together. They got to pick a restaurant and the four of us would would spend that time together. Yeah. So they would know that we are here together to celebrate you. That's good. That's so important to just show that united front together. And yeah. You know, I see so many women who are so angry at him and vice versa mm-hmm. that they use the child as a way to get back at the parent. Yeah. A, never works. It only hurts the child. It's not hurting the other parent the way you want it to. And you have to get to the place that you love your children more than you dislike whatever whatever your spouse did. Yes, I think and that's you, true. And, and you, have to, you have to stay laser focused on them. He or she may drive me nuts and I can't stand them for whatever reason. But, you know, my main concern is that we have this happy, healthy child. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so I want to ask you a little bit of a serious question. So you've talked openly about the fears you've had for your son as a black man living in America today. And this is such an important topic that we talk about a lot of parents. I still have those fears and he's 34. Right. Right, Lisa. Understandable. How did you have those conversations with your kids growing up around race and and what tips would you have for other parents who are trying to have those similar conversations? Listen, we lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is one of the most whitest, whitest of communities in the country. You know, my children is obviously looking at me and their dad are children of color. And so at a very early age, with Will in particular, I would say might have been 11, 10, 11, 12, you know, all all black parents, I don't care what your income level is. We've all had what we call the talk or the conversation Mm -hmm. with our sons in particular that, you know, if there ever is a police encounter, you do exactly what they tell you to do. And even if you think it's unfair, do not resist, do not talk back, just do exactly what they say. And, and we will work it out later. Mm-hmm. And I would say your, your friends Kyle and Patrick do not have to have this conversation because they are given the benefit of the doubt. Right. And in most places, young black boys, young black men are not given the benefit of the doubt. They are automatically labeled. They are automatically thought of as uh, suspects. You know, it, it's interesting. I just did a story recently with someone and they were talking about Dylan Roof. He's the young young white guy who shot up the church in Charleston. This guy shot nine people. Police knew what they were dealing with, and he is alive today. And you see the stories of unarmed black men who haven't, in some cases, done anything, have no weapon, and they are dead. Dylan Roof is looked at as, oh, he's troubled. Trayvon Martin, who was a young black man who was killed in in, uh, Florida, uh, his 10-year anniversary is coming up, actually, he is dead and was labeled a thug. Mm. We have to wrap our hands about the reality of what we're dealing with in this country still. So my son is 34 and he had a incident. He's, he's working in California. Someone had clearly broken into his office. He, ha- he had them on tape and he was calling the police, mm. but it was at night. And he said, you know, I'm a little nervous because I'm trying to explain to them that this guy has been here. 
I don't want to be mistaken for whoever it is they think they're coming to see. Mm. I mean, you know, just stuff that you wouldn't even think as, as a person who's white that I even have to think about that. Right. I think if you're a young man of color, you do have to give that some thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a burden. Yeah, 100%. I, we talk a lot also on parents that, you know, white families are have the privilege of, of wondering, well, what age do we talk to our kids about race? And often black families don't have that choice at all. No, no, no. I mean, I remember I was telling a friend of mine in Greenwich, a white parent, you know, I was telling Will, I had the conversation and he goes, well, she said, well, we have talked to Tommy about, you know, being responsible and obeying the law. I go, it's Kathy, it's a different conversation. Yeah. If, if God forbid something happens with Tommy and there's a police encounter, he's going to be given the benefit of the doubt and Will is not. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So the next uh, topic of conversation I want to talk about is we talk a lot here at uh, We Are Family and Parents about chosen family and found family and, you know, creating your family. And you are famous, have this wonderful, deep friendship with Oprah. And she's clearly family to you. I would love to hear you talk a little bit about what your relationship with Oprah means to you and how she's sort of a part of your family. Well, I mean, listen, you know, we've been friends since we were 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've known... (laughs) I've known Oprah before I was married, before I had my children. You know, she's been with me every step of the way for any event in my life. And I, her, it's funny when Kirby was born, you're like this, Julia. (laughs) She came to visit us and she had a t-shirt on that said, uh, husbands come and go and friends last forever. And I went, huh? I go, what, what are you, why are you wearing that shirt? I mean, I don't even, I don't even think she did it on purpose. Someone had just sent it to her. And so she just came bebopping over in that shirt. Now, you know, that actually came to be true. But at the time, you know, the point I'm making is we've been friends for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I call and talk to her about everything and anything. That's so wonderful. I love that. She's definitely, 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 definitely a big part of my family and a big part of my life. And now, you know, she's godmother to Kirby and Will. So she's a big part of their lives, too. Yeah. And also it just highlights that importance of having strong friendships, I think, especially as a mom and having that support network, because you can't kind of put everything on your partner and you can't put everything on your kids either. Yeah. Women understand what this is. Women understand what having a strong friendship is. I know a lot of people, but I don't have a lot of true blue friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you only need one. You only need one. Somebody who you really know is in your corner, who will tell you the truth, who doesn't judge you, who supports you. So I, I think people, if you have a really strong friendship circle, and I mean a really strong friendship circle, consider yourself blessed. That's wonderful. So lastly, you became a grandmother last year. That's so exciting. Congratulations. God, I could call up a picture right now and, and, and send it to you. I'm, I'm so nuts about this child. That's so wonderful. I'm certainly not the first person to have a grandchild. I realize that. But what I like is seeing Kirby become a mother herself, mm-hmm. you know, and she's so good at it. And she and her husband, Virgil, are such great partners. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. I, I don't offer advice unless she asks for it, although it's very difficult, especially <laughs> during the sleep training. I did not understand that. Right. And I was holding the baby and she said, you know, could you lift up your arm? I went, oh, okay. Am I not holding the baby correctly? <laughs> oh, okay. So what What do you want me to do? <laughs> You know, but, but it's because, you know, they are such a tight little unit mm-hmm. 
And, you know, this child, you know, it's what you wish for all children, that they come into the world bombarded with love and that everybody is so glad that you're here. That's wonderful. And we ask everyone at the end of the podcast, what are your hopes and dreams for your family for the future? Oh, is this is this the end of the podcast? It is. I know. We've zoomed Cause, right Because, Julia, I thought you were going to... I have to say this, because I wish people would help me with this. If I had to do a do-over in parenting, because I don't cook, I'm not a cook. So, you know, my kids were raised on fish sticks and tater tots mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, what are those called? SpaghettiOs. If I had to do it over, I wish I'd done a better job with nutrition. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I would like advice about that, because I just think... You want to feed them healthy meals with all the vegetable, the vegetables and the fruit. And and what I learn is kids can learn to like broccoli just as much as they can learn to like a honey bun. They can. Yeah. My daughter weirdly likes broccoli, but I don't make a big deal about it. This is the difference. I try to not like make food emotional with her. Yes. So yes, I try not yes. to talk about bad food and good food. Yeah. Or you could say, this is really good. Exactly. This is really good. Because you form that. You form that. Kirby is course corrected. She's she's actually very good. Her eating habits are good. And I see uh, how she feels about nutrition. And the other day, Will was eating something. I go, God, Will, why are you eating that? <laughs> he goes, well, your fault. This is, you know, you started this. And I just thought, oh, God. I mean, he's starting to do a little better, too. But I wish early on, either I had gotten somebody to help me with cooking or just made better choices. It's hard. At the end of the day, sometimes I know what's best, but, you know, I'm working long hours and I'm picking my daughter up and I'm doing the juggle. I know. And it's easy just to go through and grab something quickly at McDonald's, which we had done or Wendy's or Burger King. But uh, but I wish I would have done that better. I wish I would have done that better. So my advice is for parents, please make sure your kids are eating nutritious, healthy meals. And you can do it, and it doesn't have to cost two arms, two legs, and a spleen. I think that is really important to lay that foundation early. If I had a do-over, that's what I would do. I would I would do a much better job with their nutrition. Interesting, because it does feel like there are those lifelong habits that, that you form early and your opinions yes, about yes, food. Yes. That's a really good good one. Well, I guess as a grandmother, you do get a little, you don't exactly get a do-over, but you get to kind of reflect on the way you parented. Oh, no. Listen, I'm very proud of the parent I was. I actually think I was a really good parent, to be honest with yeah. you, because I loved it so much. Wonderful. And once there was an article, we did it in uh, Oprah Magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, my other job years ago, and we did a story on helicopter parenting. Oh, yes. So I called Kirby and I said, Kirby, do you think I was a helicopter parent? And she said, what it will say. I said, I haven't called him yet. I'm calling you and then I'm going to call Will. She goes, well, call him. Oh, my God. That's so funny. And so I know. I thought that was funny, too. And then I said, well, what do you think? And she said, well, all I can say is I hear choppers. <laughs> She's like, what's that sound? It sounds like a helicopter. Listen, I I, I will proudly own that. I will proudly own that. Yeah. Julia, you'll be happy to know I'm very good at giving unsolicited advice (laughs) even now. Well, but you said you've been holding back as a grandmother, so that's very impressive. Well, it's not grandmother advice, just life advice. Okay. I love that. (laughs) And so, yeah, so hopes and dreams for for your family for the future. Oh, listen, I just want my family, you know, we are very tight. We have a big vacation every year. And Oprah said to me, they were in their early 20s. And she goes, you know, adult kids don't like going on vacation with their mom. I go, mine do. Because we, we used to call ourselves a tripod. 
the three of us are so tight and get along so well. And now that Virgil is part of the family, Kirby's husband, we say we're a square. I mean, we really do genuinely like hanging out together. That's wonderful. So my hopes and dreams are that that doesn't change, that we can still maintain the connection. Connection is very important. I say this all the time. We can have great lives, great careers, uh, travel, do wonderful things. But at the end of the day, we are all going to be a trivia question. Even Barack Obama is going to be a trivia question. What was the name of the first black president? Mm. If you do it right with your family, you are never a trivia question. And so I would like this bond that we have to continue to flourish and that, knock on wood, we stay healthy, number one, and happy. I want the same thing that everybody wants for their family. Gail, that is so beautiful. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. This has been so much fun. Nice to talk to you, Julia. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with the wonderful Gail King. That's all for this season of We Are Family. I'm Julia Dennison. See you soon. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione, and thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth.